Good morning, Calvary. For this last opportunity to preach to you, I have two goals. My first goal is to say thank you. Thank you guys so much for how you have welcomed us here and encouraged us, poured into us. My family has been so loved by all of you, and we really appreciate it. And I definitely do feel much better equipped and ready to launch out and, Lord willing, pastor a church. So thank you so much for how you guys have opened up your doors to us and brought us here, and we really, really appreciated it. So thank you so much. That's my first goal. And my second goal is, this is my last opportunity publicly to pick on Pastor Ben. (laughs) So those are my two goals for this sermon. And when Pastor Ben did ask me to preach one more time, pretty quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 came to mind. I thought this verse would be a fitting description of what the pastoral residency is and is about. And in fact, I thought it would be a great goal for any church or any ministry. And what is that goal? That we would take the good news of the gospel and entrust it to other people who can then do the same, so on and so forth. That we would take the good news that God saves sinners and entrust it to the right people who can then entrust it to other people, and the gospel would go forth. And in many ways, that's what the residency has been for me. Calvary, and especially Ben and the elders, entrusting me with a gospel ministry. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, I want you to think of it with this metaphor of a recipe for healthy church leadership. In this verse, we see three ingredients that the recipe calls for. It calls for a message, a mandate, and men. The message, the mandate, and the right men. So those are the ingredients to make up a healthy church leadership. Healthy leaders in the church. With that, I'm going to pray. Then we'll read our one verse. And we'll look at that first ingredient, the message. Father, I praise you for this final opportunity to preach to your saints at Calvary Church. Would my words remain faithful to you and your word and encourage and edify the saints here? I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Our recipe calls for a message for healthy church leadership. And not just any message, but the message, the gospel, the good news. The good news that God saves sinners. That's the good news of the gospel. And this is the message that Paul 
in this passage is entrusting to Timothy. We see this at the very beginning of our passage. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. What did Timothy hear? The gospel, the good news that God saves sinners. Earlier in Paul's letter to Timothy, Paul expounds at greater length the gospel. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. When you spend any amount of time around Pastor Ben, you'll start to pick up on some of his favorite words and phrases. One of his favorite words is the word perfect. He loves that word. And I keep finding myself now starting to use the word perfect. Somebody says something I'm like, I'll say, oh, great, that's perfect. Another word that Ben likes is sufficiency. He really likes the phrase, the sufficiency of Jesus. Why do you think he likes that phrase so much? I think he likes it so much because it succinctly captures the gospel. The sufficiency of Jesus. That's the good news. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is enough for our sin. Jesus is enough for our suffering. The sufficiency of Jesus. That's also why I believe Pastor Ben loves the book, Gentle and Lowly. He helped to lead a class on that book here at Calvary. I think the reason he loves it so much is because it beautifully captures the sufficiency of Jesus for our sin and suffering. The sufficiency of Jesus can be shorthand for that message, the gospel. That God saves sinners. Calvary, I want to exhort you in the same way that I exhorted the church that I'll be heading to when I preach there that we would not assume the gospel. That we would not assume the gospel. A number of scholars have pointed out that different churches, when they go in a decline, tend to follow this progression. The first generation of this church believes the gospel and they cling to Jesus. And they also believe that the gospel has certain implications or entailments. 
But they know the main thing is the gospel. Then what sometimes happens is the second generation assumes the gospel and begins to latch even more onto these entailments or implications. And then finally, sometimes tragically, the third generation arises and they deny the gospel. And these entailments, whatever they might be, often good things, become everything. And I want to exhort you and myself to not assume the gospel. It's so easy to take it for granted. And so I want to call you and myself to make the gospel central. Without the gospel, we have no hope. We have no Christianity. Without the gospel, there'd be really no reason why we should meet or gather like this at all. So Calvary, make the gospel central. Keep it central. Lord willing, I want to do the same thing when we head out and I start pastoring. That the gospel would be at the center. Second, our recipe for church leadership calls for a mandate. And we see that mandate in the middle of our verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It's simply that we would entrust others with the gospel. Paul writes, entrust to faithful men. There it is. That's the mandate that we would entrust the gospel to the right people. If you look up the word entrust in the dictionary, you'll read, to put something into someone's care or protection, to assign the responsibility for doing something to someone. When I read that definition, I thought, that's the residency. That's what Calvary has done for me. They have taken the gospel and assigned me the responsibility of doing gospel ministry all under the watchful eye of Pastor Ben and the elders. Let me ask you, what is the goal of this residency here at Calvary? Is the goal that somebody would come here for two years, receive training and experience, and then it would just end? That their ministry would come to an end? That's not the goal. The goal is that they would receive training, experience, and Lord willing, launch out for a lifetime of faithful ministry. In other words, Calvary, you're playing the long game in ministry, which is what you should be doing. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing. He has the long game in mind, not just the short run. In some ways, it's kind of like a last will and testament. You have these resources or property or money, and you're trying to think, how can I best use these when I'm long gone? Who can I entrust these resources to so that they don't go to waste? In the same way, we have the gospel, the good news, and we must entrust it to people so that it will go forth from generation to generation to generation. We see in this passage that Paul is playing that long game. He doesn't just have Timothy in mind. Paul also has all the people Timothy will influence and all the people those other people will influence with the gospel. Calvary, if you did not play the long game, this residency would make no sense. 
in the very short term, it doesn't really add much. Sure, I might have some funny jokes, but in the short term, what does it do? You're putting a lot of money into this person who will be here and then leave. But if you're playing the long game and have the kingdom in mind, it's so strategic. And so I want to encourage you and applaud you for playing the long game. And so I want to encourage you to keep doing it. Keep identifying leaders. Keep training up new leaders. By God's grace, keep praying for that next resident, whoever he might be. And by God's grace, would he give you many, many more who could launch out for the sake of the gospel. Lord willing, when I start pastoring, I want to do something like that. I want to find those people who I could pour into and raise up and entrust with the gospel so that they might entrust it to others. You see, the thing is, Calvary is not about Pastor Ben. It's not the Pastor Ben show. If it was, if something, God forbid, happened to Pastor Ben, the church would fold and collapse. But by God's grace, Pastor Ben has raised up other leaders who can carry on the torch of the gospel. And Lord willing, where I end up going at Trade River, I don't want it to be the David show. It's not about me. It's about God and bringing the gospel to other people. And the way that will happen is by entrusting people with the gospel, not hoarding it to myself and my own little ministry, but giving it away to other people so they might entrust it to others. Finally, our recipe for healthy church leadership calls for men, the right men or the right people. And the right men are those who are faithful and able to teach. Faithful and able to teach. We see this in the middle and the very end of our verse. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. When you look at churches across America... A lack of volunteers plagues so many churches. I know some of the ministry leaders here at Calvary, that is one of the biggest problems they face, is finding enough people to help with these ministries. They have a great vision for it. It's doing great work. But they simply need more people. And that is a real problem in many churches, having enough people helping participating, engaging. But I would argue it's an even worse problem to put the wrong person in that role. You put the wrong person with terrible character in a position that will do way more damage than not having anybody in it at all. So now I need to ask you to pardon me for a moment because I'm going to illustrate this with something from The Lord of the Rings. And I know for most of you, it won't make any sense. And if it doesn't make sense, you can talk to CJ and Tish after the service. And they will explain it to you. So in The Lord of the Rings, let's compare two characters. Frodo, who's probably the main character, the hero of the story. 
And then a secondary character, Denethor. So Frodo, he's like the main character. He has this ring he needs to destroy. Denethor is supposed to be the steward of the throne of Gondor, this kingdom. His job is basically to keep the kingdom running until the new king arrives. What's fascinating is how they're similar and different. Both Frodo and Denethor were entrusted with something. Frodo was entrusted with taking this ring of power and destroying it. Denethor was entrusted with stewarding the throne of Gondor. But after that, we see the differences. Frodo comes from a very humble, literally down-to-earth background. He's a hobbit. He likes very simple things. He likes food. He likes spending time with his friends. He likes being, you know, being outside. He likes going to the beaver, the beaver dam with Karen. He likes doing all sorts of just normal, ordinary things. Denethor comes from a wealthy royal family, very prestigious. We also see their character is wildly different. Frodo is faithful. He perseveres. He has grit. He doesn't think very highly of himself. But Denethor is greedy, selfish, and hungry for power. In the end, Frodo, with the help of his friends, succeeds. Denethor face plants. He refuses to relinquish the throne when the king arrives. He totally fails. And I would submit to you what the church needs is Frodo, not Denethor. We don't need more people hungry for power, greedy for gain. And that's why the right person makes all the difference. The character matters. Calvary, you and I, we must prioritize character over competency. Fair enough, people do need some skills and some gifting, but that cannot trump their character. If we allow a gifted person without the character to have one of those roles, it'll be like the Titanic, this big, flashy, great show, and it's heading for an iceberg and about to sink. We must prioritize character over competency. One way we identify somebody of character is to look at their life. Is he faithful? Is he faithful in his marriage? Is he faithful at home? Is he faithful at work? Is he faithful in the church? Does he show up? Does he participate? Does he serve? If yes, you may have found your next leader. Lord willing, when I head out to Trade River to pastor, I want to find men of character who show faithfulness, who are reliable, that I might entrust the gospel to them. So if, God forbid, something happens to me or we have to move on, the gospel would continue forth in that community. 
When we look at Jesus' life, what did his ministry look like? Did he go from rally to rally to rally? Did he rent out the Fargo Dome so he could preach to thousands? Now, to be fair, Jesus did do some public ministry. He did do some public preaching. But when you look at his life, his ministry was primarily investing into these 12 men. He entrusted his teaching and his life to these men so they might entrust it to other people. It's not an overstatement to say that all of us are sitting here today because Jesus entrusted the gospel to those men who then entrusted the gospel to other people who would do the same. Church, let's follow in the footsteps of our master and entrust the gospel to the right people. And church, let's remember that God also entrusted Jesus with a mission to seek and save the lost. And praise God that Jesus remained faithful to that mission. Faithful even to death. That is a man of character. His faithfulness means our salvation. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for Jesus. Help us steward the gospel. Would we entrust the gospel to the right people? Please raise up the right people to carry the gospel forward. Would we never assume or deny the gospel, but instead believe it and cling to our Savior, Jesus Christ? It's in his name we pray. Amen.